Welcome to Living Life. Have you ever been in the inside of a courtroom? Uh, in in that courtroom, do you remember who was there? Uh, was there a judge, maybe a prosecutor, if it was a criminal case, and then a defense attorney in the courtroom, uh, maybe a, even a court officer in the courtroom? Well, uh, Paul is essentially in a courtroom environment. Um, Paul is about to give an argument before King Agrippa. This is his, essentially his third argument. He first gave a defense or an argument to Felix, Governor Felix, and then to uh, Festus, and now uh, to King Agrippa. The only thing that's really interesting here in the courtroom is Paul doesn't have any physical human defense attorney. It's Paul giving what we would call a pro se argument basically on his own behalf and in his own defense. Aha, but what we will see is that Paul does have a defense attorney, uh, and his name is Jesus. Uh, and so let's take a look at the passage and see how this works out. Acts chapter 26, verses 1 through 12. Then Agrippa said to Paul, You have permission to speak for yourself. So Paul motioned with his hand and began his defense. King Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate to stand before you today as I make my defense against all the accusations of the Jews, and especially so because you are well acquainted with all the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. The Jewish people all know the way I have lived ever since I was a child, from the beginning of my life in my own country and also in Jerusalem. They have known me for a long time and can testify, if they are willing, that I conform to the strictest sect of our religion, living as a Pharisee. And now it is because of my hope in what God has promised our ancestors that I am on trial today. This is the promise our 12 tribes are hoping to see fulfilled as they earnestly serve God day and night. King Agrippa, it is because of this hope that these Jews are accusing me. Why should any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the Lord's people in prison, and when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished, and I tried to force them to blaspheme. I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. On one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. Welcome back to Living Life. This is another exciting uh, passage where we see Paul uh, giving his defense before, now before King Agrippa. Uh, we're gonna see a, a masterful job done here, not by Paul, but by the Holy Spirit directing him. Remember the book of Acts really should be called the 
the acts, not the acts of the apostles, but the acts of the Holy Spirit, because it was the Holy Spirit that was leading these apostles to do and say what they did. It was by the power of the Holy Spirit. And here, Paul is speaking by the power of the Holy Spirit. Very clever argument. What does Paul say in this argument? But we're really seeing the we're really seeing the wisdom and the cleverness of God with respect to this argument. The first thing he does when he's arguing before uh, King uh, Agrippa is he he compliments King Agrippa. So the compliments that he gives King Agrippa are basically about his Jewish background, uh, his the cust- his knowledge of the customs and the laws and the controversies and practices of the Jews. So he compliments Agrippa and says, "It's it's very fortunate for me to be in front of you now, Agrippa, given that you're such a astute man of a, of Jewish customs and laws." Um, and, and what I'm going to talk to you about, Agrippa, is exactly that how. Um, my testimony relates to those Jewish laws and customs. Really interesting what Paul does there in terms of first complimenting him. Uh, and he also pays honor to him. I guess there's, in the beginning there's Paul, there's a, a customary wave, uh, which is really an honor, a wave of honor to the one that you're speaking to, that official. So Paul also does that. So Paul is also following the customs to the T because the last thing we want to do is we, want, we, is we don't want to offend uh, the judge or the one who's hearing our case and who's going to be making a decision on it. In some ways, it, it's kind of like uh, me being a foreigner in this particular culture. You never want to offend those who are of the culture that you're in because you want to put your best foot forward and you want to show them uh, who you are and show them that you are certainly uh, honor, giving honor to the to the culture and the fact that you uh, you certainly want to pay respect to the customs with his, uh, of the particular uh, territorial land that you're in. So Paul was giving uh, giving respect to uh, King Agrippa, uh, and then Agrippa allows him to speak, and he compliments him and tells him about that. But not only does that, he does that. He then talks about, which is really interesting. He talks about his early life in Judaism. Uh, he talks about how he was a very strict Jew and how he was of the most strict sect of the Jews, which was the Pharisees. Uh, this, the Pharisees are those, uh, and this point is going to be very important as we go through, the Pharisees are those who believe that there actually would be a resurrection of the dead. Uh, there was another sect called the Sadducees, somewhat more liberal sect. They did not believe there was a resurrection of the dead. So Paul was speaking to Agrippa, who appears from the passage, was also uh, a Pharisee or believed in uh, the strictness of the Pharisaical sect, uh, like Paul. So as he talked to uh, Agrippa, he was telling about his early, the fact that he was a very strict Jew. Uh, he followed all the Jewish ways, the tradition, the practices. Uh, and he also tells him that he had a zeal, based upon that, he had a zeal for protecting the faith, the Jewish faith. So much so that he would uh, hunt down Christians in Jerusalem. He would go from synagogue to synagogue to hunt them down, to have them thrown in prison, or he would vote. Uh, for them to actually uh, be killed uh, or executed. Now, what we, we know this story, if we remember the story of Stephen in Acts 7, somewhere around Acts 55, towards the end of that chapter, right before the great persecution broke out in Acts 8, Paul was there with Stephen, the Bible says, giving consent 
to his death, uh, when Stephen was stoned to death. And as we know in the story of Stephen, uh, the Bible tells us that Stephen's face looked like the face of an angel. So Paul saw all this, and he heard Stephen's words about do not lay this charge against them, essentially uh, asking the Lord to forgive them. And he heard this, and he saw Stephen's face, and I'm sure he remembered uh, Stephen at that time uh, when he was going through that. So Stephen was some one of those Christians that he hunted down, and we saw and it ended up in Stephen's martyr, who began became the first martyr of the of the Christian church. But what we but as we look through this particular passage, and we see this Paul saying he's using this as part of his argument because essentially because he's saying, knowing my background and knowing who I was, I would not be the person who would be supporting or uh, would have joined this, uh, become a Christian, but for Jesus, but for him coming into a knowledge and a personal faith with him. And he talks about, uh, he talks about that. He says, he begins to talk about that when he was on his world to the road to Damascus and how he met Jesus. Now, the interesting here thing here is, is as we look at this uh, defense and we look at this account, again, his defense is his personal testimony, and he relies upon that personal testimony to have power and have weight and authority with King Agrippa. But he also uh, talks about how him as a, as a Jew, and he talks about how all of that relates uh, to this testimony, and, he, and he's building his case based upon uh, that testimony. He's building his case based upon him being the last person to want to ever become a Christian. Uh, and in that way, He's making his argument not just in his defense and not just for his defense, but he's making an argument for Christ. How do you defend yourself when the accusations about you concern your faith in Jesus Christ? Do you try to make a clever argument on your own accord and, and try to uh, uh, talk about how uh, very uh, succinctly and clearly about how, you know, this particular, the reasonableness of your argument? Or do you just trust in Jesus Christ and trust in your testimony about how you met him about how you know him, and let Jesus be your defense attorney like he was Paul's defense attorney. If not, then I implore you to do so today. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for today, and we thank you for your word, and we thank you that Jesus is our ultimate advocate, our ultimate defense attorney. It's in his precious name we pray. Amen. For a single soul, reaching a far goal and stepping in closer, see